Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bring with BIM. Uh, Our first of 2021. Hell yeah. First of 20 of 2021. Ah, man, I'm going to screw this 2020 (laughs) stuff up all day long. I've been writing 2020. I almost just said 2020. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. But yeah, first of 2020. I feel like that happens, though. I feel like that happens for like the first month or so of the new year because you're used to writing 2020, you know, (laughs) and it just it has to be that transition. Uh, Yeah, certainly, man. um, At least I made a a good habit of this in the past. Like, uh, well, actually, maybe this is going to bite me in the butt. But in 2020, I was told for legal purposes, always write 2020 all the way out, because if you just write like one one twenty right two years after that yeah that's exactly it yep so i kind of screwed myself because uh you know whereas where i messed up the dates i could have just wrote 21 afterwards like like, you know white out and rewrite i'm just kidding (laughs) i don't know i think i would think so i don't i I feel like i haven't been to an office depot or whatever in like forever i think we've successfully killed off uh paper in, in the office for the most part. Yeah. I mean, honestly. being remote has, has definitely, uh, you know, helped us. And, and we'll get into that here in a second, guys. Uh, today's, as always, I was saying, Dave Campbell's with me. Uh, so dive back in. What's up, Dave? What's up, Joe? Thank you very much, uh, everybody, for listening to our uh, podcast here. Very excited about this episode just because uh, it's the first one of the new year, right? And getting back into the swing of things. And we're going to talk about uh, some good things that happened last year, right? 2020 wasn't all That's, bad. No, especially for technology. The world, did, the world did not end, right? So we're still here in 2021, you know, while it might, might not have started off so great with all the news about whatever going on, you know, it's just – Maybe that's just news in general. It's always going to be there and try to bring you down. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows, man? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I, I'm just I'm, – I'm, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this year and, and where things go. And you're right. I mean, well, 2020 it's... happened, dude. And what we saw, I feel like, was a disruption in our industry that was caused by the pandemic, right? And there was a huge – uh, huge disruption that caused us to adopt technologies. So there's this huge adoption of the cloud technology and people trying to collaborate and remotely work. And, and of course, these paper workflows are getting broken really fast, right? They're not working at that point. So kind of back to your point there, whether it's, you know, Bluebeam or it's Adobe, it's BIM 360, whatever it is, people are starting to adopt these digital workflows a little bit more because they have to, right? And, and, and that's actually, it's funny but it's it's a it's a good thing in a sense, right? It starts helping us with that push towards that digitization of that data and really collecting and streamlining that data. Yeah, it's definitely enabled us to uh, kind of shed some of our antiquated processes, things that people have been telling us to stop doing for years. Um, and, you know, I'd say stop us stop doing for years, but really our industry stopped doing for years, and then kind of just like, well. 
we've invested in the technology for whatever reason, you know, we've known firms that have bought Bluebeam, but, you know, they're still doing paper RFIs. Um, they, everybody owns a seat of Bluebeam, but, you know, they're still uh, filling out forms. And, <laughs> yep, and, then, yep. and then they're handing that to somebody and then that person's submitting it. So now what it's done is it's kind of forced everybody to adopt the tools that they've already had. And then it's also helped kind of drive new technology, which has been great. But uh, again, we'll get into that here in a second. Before we dive yeah. into all that fun junk, man, I got to ask you, what are you drinking, bud? Ah, dude, you know, so with this special episode, um, <laughs> it's, I just keep saying it's special because, you know, every episode is special. But uh, this one, actually, today's drink um, is kind of special to me because my grand, one of my grandfathers recently passed away. Um, Bill, well, William Blankenship, but his name, we called him Papa Bill, right? And this guy, I mean, gosh, 80, 88 years old, and he has esophagus cancer and stuff, you know, and this dude was in and out of the hospital. But when I went to visit him in Indiana, um, he's actually the one that taught me how to fish, right? So when I went to visit him in Indiana, of course, we went out and fished, and we're just hanging out, and this dude, he he has this bottle of wild turkey that he takes shots from, and he does the 101 proof, right? And uh, of course, he gave me a couple shots of that, and I'm like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And he he <laughs> at that point he does of course call me uh call me a couple names and pokes fun at me, but it was you know it was good, it was fun. Um, for this episode, you know, kind of going back to that uh, wild turkey there, I can't quite do the uh, 101. I can't quite sip on that. But I did a little bit of research and found out that wild turkey actually has a, a small a small batch uh, whiskey called Long Branch. And uh, it's a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, um, oak and Texas mesquite charcoal refined. And uh, it's actually, it's, it's like 43% alcohol by volume. And it's, it's actually signed by Matthew McConaughey. Ah, that's a expertly crafted. Yeah, I think this might is it, I think it might be Matthew McConaughey's whiskey. That'd be pretty cool. I thought he did uh celebrities are all into uh, so their oh, own yeah. alcohol brands now, man. I think Ryan Reynolds has one now. Yeah, it's Aviator Gin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Nice, nice. Good little uh toast to to your uh Papa Bill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. I um, I'm drinking something that uh, a good friend got me uh recently because I had a kid, and uh, you know, you have kids, a lot of great blessings. But uh, tell you, man, I got this uh mystery pack of awesome cigars and whiskey from this uh from this <laughs> friend of mine. <laughs> oh man, and I just gotta say thank you. That was a great uh, a great package to to receive. My kids loved all the toys you put in there, but uh, I'm Definitely uh, digging this this whiskey you've got. And for those uh, everybody listening, uh, Dave got me some Oregon whiskey. We've talked about hop whiskey on on uh, past episodes, so he uh, you know got me Double Mountain hopped whiskey brewed right there in Oregon. It's uh, 41% alcohol, um, but it's uh, uh, it's it smells like an IPA. Uh, it, in my mind, um, it's not a it's not a sipping whiskey, right? You've got sipping whiskeys, you've got mixing whiskeys. And, and traditionally I thought of mixing whiskeys as like, well, they're not good enough in flavor to, to drink by themselves, but yeah, you have but, to put something in with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, this kind of like forced me to change my tone on that a little bit because it is a great tasting <laughs> whiskey. It. Yeah. It's a great tasting whiskey, but 
it's uh, it actually tastes better with other stuff in it because it's got the IPA, you know, uh, uh, flavors and notes in there just because the hops. Yeah. Uh, it pairs really well with oranges. Like I've been dropping orange slices in there, muddling up some orange. I pour a little bit of juice in there. I put just like a splash or a thimble of like ginger ale, and like it yeah. just it, it it brings it out because I think it's a little rough to drink by itself because of the hops, but but I want that. Like I yep. I wouldn't want a smooth whiskey that smelled like hops. I want the hops flavor, and I just think pairing it with a little bit of citrus just uh, just makes it stand on its own. It's so beautiful. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, dude. Heck yeah. Man, I love this. Yeah, I'm happy that you like it, dude. I, I liked it myself. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I, I was right there with you with the citrus and the hops. Like that, it's such an interesting, um, like complex kind of whiskey that when you start drinking it, you start, you know, you, you feel the initial kind of whiskey, but then as you kind of sit through it, you really do taste those citrusy hop notes, right? And it's kind of, it's it's a different whiskey. It's kind of sweeter, but also kind of bitter in its own way. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree, dude. I mean, honestly, I, I've been of the, the mindset that lately, for some reason, I've been on this orange kick, right? And I have orange bitters, and I've been kind of putting, even with, with, with my uh, sipping whiskey, I've been putting uh, orange bitters in there and then muddling a little bit of like an orange that I'll peel and put a couple you know slices in there and just smash it up a little bit with the whiskey. It's just, I love how orange kind of pairs with it, right? And that's yeah, it, awesome. It's so fantastic. I find myself, you know, after I've had two or three of these, I find myself eating the orange slice because it, yeah. it tastes like hops. It's yep. like got hoppy flavors in there. It's whiskey, but it's it's an orange. And uh, I find myself uh, even eating. It's stupid, but I, I'll chew on the rind, dude. I, just, I yep. fucking love it. It's it's so soaked and and flavorful. Uh, um, I, have, I have that problem. It's an amazing amazing so, combination. No, it's moonshine. I have that problem with moonshine. By the time I get down to the bottom of the mason jar and I find like the peaches or something. I, I feel like I want to eat them, but everybody tells me to <laughs> stop. <laughs> You're going to screw yourself up even yeah. more, man. Yeah. yeah, they're not like uh, olives in a Bloody Mary or, or whatever, you know, pickled asparagus or whatever is in a Bloody Mary, where it's safe to eat that. Yeah, yeah. afterwards, uh, moonshine, I think it might just be a little too much, man. It's like that jungle juice, right? Man. Oh, man. Just cut up a bunch of fruit and put it in there with a bunch of liquor. Yep, trash can punch, jungle juice, whatever you call it, man. We That's a to, camping drink. Used to right get down there. on that. Side. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, you ever do the Everclear and a watermelon? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't know though anymore, dude. I, I, you know those one like those memories that stick out to you over for drinking, right? And you you have those certain nights that uh, kind of ruin alcohol for you. Yeah. And for me, dude, that was that was Everclear. I did a. Uh, I was at this party at my apartment. We were talking about it a little bit before this podcast, but used to have awesome parties, right? And yeah, Dave and I apartment time, parties, man. Yeah, dude, apartment parties were awesome. And man, I except for our neighbors, but yeah. Oh yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> Luckily, my neighbors came down to my party, so that was cool. But uh, dude, I remember this one party. This chick was there, and of course, I was trying to impress her, and she was handing me these triple shots of Everclear. And I'm man, I'm just taking them like, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Oh my gosh, that was one of the worst nights. Like just I mean, you're throwing up like lava, molten lava at that point, right? <laughs> and one of my buddies used to mess with me so much 
um, he thought it'd be funny at that point, and he he was like, "Hey man, I got some Gatorade here for you. Help you kind of you know hydrate and keep things down." Well, he mixed it with Everclear. Oh, oh man. man, yeah, dude. I uh, I slept on the bathroom floor that night because that was the coolest place in the apartment. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So Everclear, it's it's a uh, it's a hard one for me. Every yeah. once in a while, I can do those apple pies or something, but. Oh. Well, I'm with you, man. I have a similar story, and I don't know if it's podcast friendly, but I'll tell it anyways. Um, <laughs> you can edit later, right? Um, so I um, wait. We don't was, edit on this podcast. Yeah, it's actually, wrong. we don't edit on this podcast. It's raw, guys. Uh, I know we're getting pretty far off topic, but we're li- we're living some glory days here. Um, I had some Everclear. Well, actually, it's probably one of the last times I had Everclear because of this. Um, a friend of mine was dating this girl, and and uh, I'll leave names off just, just for the sake of this. But uh, he, was, he was my best friend growing up. I had several apartments with this guy. He tolerated me throwing parties all the time, people coming over. But anyways, his girlfriend had a girl, a, a friend of hers that I really liked. Um, but she was going off to uh, Air Force. Um, uh, I don't remember if it was reserves or whatnot. But she was uh, going to uh, boot camp and all that fun stuff. And um, I, uh, you know, last night, just coming to hang out. Uh, we were having a little apartment party, just uh, just the four of us. Uh, my friend and I, we started the party a little early. Um, he likes uh, uh, vodka. I like tequila. And uh, the girls wanted Everclear because they were going to mix it with, you know, God knows what. So uh, anyways, we started the party. We had uh, we each had our, our own respective drinks before the girls got there. And then we drank some coffee to sober up. Um, I was dumb and put Everclear in my coffee. Like, oh, I want to keep drinking still, but uh, you know, I want, want to wake up. So did that for a little bit. Uh, girls came over. We hung out. We drank some more. Uh, next thing I know, I am throwing up all over my date that night. And uh, I have never seen her since. So. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh man. The the good old days, right? Uh, Your early twenties. (laughs) You think you're invincible? Yep. 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 All right, dude. Let's dive into it. Back to Bim. Yeah. Back Back to Bim. Bim. Yeah. Hey, man. This is a construction, you know, podcast. (laughs) And tell you, there's I've heard stories just like that all throughout the industry. So I know I'm not alone. Oh no, definitely not. I feel this is a safe space for my stories. Um, (laughs) Are you in a safe space? I am in a safe space. All right, all right. Yes, I'm always in a safe space, man. I'm, I'm with myself, dude. There you um, go. Anyways, uh, you know, we're talking about BIM and, and 2020, man, and it's been kind of a blessing. We've talked about this pretty much all throughout 2020. Like, what have you done with yourself, with, you know, with, uh, you know, the, the blessing that's been given to you or where you've, you know, you get to stay at home more with your family. You get to, yeah, work slow down a little bit, but you're, you know, you know, hopefully you're still gainfully employed. What are you doing with that extra time to better yourself or your employer? Um, you know, level up your game, you know, so you can move, move to the next level yourself. Like what's, what, what are you taking advantage of? And I feel like the first three months we were all optimistic. We we're like, hell yeah, we're getting in there. We're doing this. And then by like, you know, month four, month five, month six, still going on. We're like, ah, oh, we're struggling guys. Like how do we, how do we keep, how do we keep moving there? How do we keep the motivation going? And I think, fortunately, 2020 uh, has saw a lot of um, people that are really motivational by nature 
kind of rise to the top and and not rise to the top in their industry, but rise to the top to help motivate other people. So like I've been following people that were, you know, known in their circles, like their, you know, small circles, like just blow up on social media and LinkedIn in our industry, right? And they become BIM all-stars uh, in their own right. And it's just because they want to uplift everybody else um, and, and and you know, help share knowledge. And and our, our industry has been freaking, you know, very awesome, very, very fortunate where nobody's hoarding anything. If, if there's uh, any piece of nugget or information out there that you can share, people are sharing it. And if you need help with anything, people are flocking to LinkedIn. LinkedIn, Slack, whatever, and uh, you know, people are crawling out of the woodwork just to help them. Like, no money's involved, no nothing, but just to help people. And I think that's that's an amazing thing. But that's really what's kind of got me through the the latter six months of of 2020 was just uh, seeing that and finding new people to follow and and get excited about. So um, I don't know, man. We'll see what 2021 brings, though. Yeah, dude. Talking about getting excited, you know, uh, a lot of times I, I watch these webinars, you know, we went to AU, of course, and kind of seen a lot of the, the changes that are coming there. And I mean, taking a look back at 2020 and seeing where we're kind of pushing now, it's, it's, it's exciting to see where this technology goes, I think, and how far we can really push it. Because right now, we still, we still, I feel like we have that motivation, right? Yeah, you did see a lull um, in our, in our industry, even with ourselves. I mean, literally, it just, like you said, kind of month six of COVID there, everybody's like, man, is this still going on? Is this going to keep going? Um, are we are we going to get back to, to normal or what are we going to do? And you start seeing that kind of transition, right, of, man, if this is the way things are going to be, then this is how what we got to do. We still have timelines to meet. We still have expectations. We got to work the way that we need to work. You know, um, we just we need to figure it out. So they start looking. You see more people looking for this technology, but also since more people are looking, guess what? More people are starting to create, right? We're seeing more app development. We're seeing more app app integrations and connectivity. I think that's a oh, big yeah. focus moving into 2021 is connectivity, making sure that everybody can connect together because we are so spread out, but we need to have this data that translates accordingly so we can understand. Yeah. Uh, dude. We, we okay. saw some oh. we saw some acquisitions to oh, further yeah. that integration. Not only that, uh, like you, were, but just like you were saying, like people were like, "Oh, we need to we need to integrate this with that, otherwise we're duplicating data entry." Um, you know what's the point? And they'll write it themselves. They'll hire somebody to write it, or somebody just figures it out, or somebody you know creates it themselves and they go to market with it. And next thing you know, it's being integrated. I know. Um, you know, of, of some needs for connecting uh, workflows to civil 3D that, um, you know, some people were creating and you know, things were going to go to market. Then Autodesk was just like, you know what, this, this makes sense. We'll roll this in and, and connect this to the cloud. And it, it's perfect. So, like, yep. it's just it, it it's highlighting the pain points that we are already seeing or maybe that we've just, you know, become complacent with for years because maybe not enough people were, were being vocal about it. But yep. everybody's now adopting it everybody's going to be vocal about it. Yep. If you have to use it, you want to, you want to be able to use it, right? You want it to be able to do what you need it to do. That's a huge thing with software that everybody kind of gets into. The first conversation that I have with anybody about implementing new software is, can it do this, right? Okay. What it can do above and beyond that is cool, but can it do this? Yeah. And they want to, they want to know how, 
it doing this is going to, you know, essentially supplement their existing workflow. And then, yeah, they want to start seeing, okay, where can we go from this? We have a wish list of things that we'd like to be able to do. Can it also do this? And that's when you start, of course, expanding that conversation. But the the software has to, you know, get from point A to point B. Well, that that um, that kind of thinking though is also changed a little bit, right? So, like, mm-hmm. uh, we'll take AutoCAD and Revit for instance, right? So years ago when we were converting people from AutoCAD to Revit, and I say years ago, it's still ongoing, just not at the same scale. Um, But like you're talking to someone about uh, converting from AutoCAD to Revit. Like, oh, but in AutoCAD, I did it this way, and I had this, and I had this. And, well, in Revit, none of that's possible because it behaves completely different. It doesn't work that way. You're not going to be able to edit this or do this, but that's because it's not the way AutoCAD works. So, like, I think 2020 also brought out a lot of – I brought like we're having a lot of conversations about people moving to the cloud, right? And mm-hmm. you know, pushing the fab services to the cloud, um, doing all kinds of stuff in the cloud. And as they're doing this, uh, the conversation is like, well, but we're used to doing it this way, this way, and we like doing it this way. Well, that's not the way it works. And and then we have that conversation. It's it's been happening more often than not. It's like, well, okay, you 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 have to leave the way that you've done stuff behind, right? We're, we're yep. changing that whole workflow. This isn't just a plug and play tool or whatever to fit an existing workflow. Um, you know, we're kind of trying, you know, the, the industry is changing and we're trying to revolutionize things yep. uh, with AI and predictive analytics. The cloud is just, you know, the medium where we're actually uh, uh, using, you know, large processing and all that sort of stuff to take place uh, and host our data so we can, uh, you know, access it from anywhere and share it with anybody. Those are those are kind of the smaller sides of it. You know, they're yeah. the most immediate sides of it today, but in the long run, it's about the AI and predictive analytics. But like, I don't know, man, I think um, I think that kind of mindset of like, all right, we'll just plug this into our existing workflow and uh, find or find a piece of software that fits our existing workflow. And, and that, I think that's just kind of changing, man. I think that's well, gone. Well, it is. Well, I, I think, think it's I think gone. It's, I think, it's, I think yeah. it's, it's, it's not yet mainstream, but I think it is on the precipice. Yes, I, I feel like that you're you're right on there, but also, of course, um, that you know we we as technical evangelists, software evangelists, what have you, um, the conversations that we have with people, of course, it is yes, we can do what you're asking, but it's also what else can we do? How else can we really push this technology, the software, to benefit your workflows and further digitize and maybe ease up, you know, some of the the stress points that you guys have on 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 this workflow or on whatever delivery or whatever it is of this documentation and this data, right? So really taking a look at how this can really benefit downstream as well. Dude, I, I was gonna say though it, I've been uh, recently, you know, I've been prep, kind of prepping again for advanced steel. I'm going to be teaching a class, uh, a couple classes actually coming up here. Um, but it, it's funny, you know, it, it's kind of giving me a different perspective on that CAD to Revit jump. And I know that's not what this is really, fo- this podcast is really focused about, but I wanted to kind of bring this up here really quick because I thought it was interesting on how you see in something like advanced steel right you see a parametric design that's built on a cad engine right and it's 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 almost like uh autocad architecture kind of where it's 3d right and you can still use blocks and things like that but it's interesting how it's almost like an add-in or several add-ins toolbars that are built on 
to AutoCAD, and you don't even really need to use the AutoCAD functions. It's you, you can, but a lot of it with the with the advanced steel kind of um, elements, they have parameters and they have like dialog boxes with parametric, you know, kind of information constraints and all kinds. Yeah, of stuff. yeah. I remember, I remember playing with it years ago. I haven't really got into it much, but it's uh, it's it's a great BIM tool on a on a traditional on a CAD, CAD platform. platform. Yeah, exactly, and that's. That's really, you know, it's funny, but I started looking at it from so many different perspectives. I'm like, man, of course, this would have been cool for a lot of people that are making that transition from AutoCAD to Revit. You know, hey, let's not jump fully into Revit. Let's not jump, you know, let's not stay in AutoCAD. Let's kind of mix the two. Give yourself some parametric understandings, you know, on how this works and how this can do it. And then push forward into a more, you know, a, a different kind of. Um, program, right? Like such as Revit, but you understand the parameters at that point. And when you understand the parameters, you have that basic understanding of the program. You just need to figure out where the buttons are. And unfortunately for, you know, CAD to, CAD to Revit users, some of those buttons are an easy kind of transition over. You'll see some of the symbols are the same, you know, things like that. But um, I also think that it's interesting when I look at it from that parametric kind of standpoint, right? Even in the CAD-based platform, and you really start thinking about, you know, as we're talking about AI and generative design, and really those are just built on parameters, right? They're all built on constraints, but it's, of course, user-defined. And we're starting to automate that process of like design or, you know, fabrication, what have you, and, and starting to really figure out how we can benefit those processes with that type of you know parametric kind of design and it's it's funny that you see it can connect not just to revit and the bim workflows but also the cad and sim workflows right and i really see that you know pushing forward into 2021 i think that um the more that we can understand and adopt this you know kind of parametric thought process and how we can push forward with that um, generative to des design, but with also fabrication, with structural, you know, giving, let, let's say, you know, being able to input some of the code compliance as, as we're going through and generating our design and, and being able to automate some of these pipe runs and these duct runs, you know, hanger placement, things like that based on what code says, but also, you know, what that project needs. Yeah, and, and um, I think kind of, to your your point, I think um, the advanced steel component it, mm -hmm. it does touch multiple segments as we transition from BIM and you and I talk more about SIM, you know, because that's kind of the laggards and we're trying to, you know, boost this side of things up. Yep. Um, as we're talking about that sort of stuff, um, I you know, advanced steel does cross cross into that as we're talking about infrastructure projects. I mean, mm -hmm. We've uh, we've touched uh, some of the largest uh, infrastructure projects in the country. Um, I, I, don't quote me on statistics, but I think one of them was <laughs> like a trillion dollar. I don't know, it was something insane. It was insane. a lot. It was big, an insane yeah. amount of money. It was just ginormous, and it's it's growing. I saw in the news it's even it's getting more expensive. Um, but that said, it's it's uh, it's a tool that helps people um, that are traditional CAD. So if we're talking about the sim world. Uh, you know, the civil 3Ds, the Carlsons, you know, that that type of platform is is pretty well standard and adopted. You know, if you're talking about uh, the DOT works, it's usually the Bentley packages. 
Um, but either way, you know, there's a, an integration or often always, there's always some form of AutoCAD used on one of those projects. Even if it's, you know, MicroStation specified, uh, somebody used AutoCAD or Civil 3D somewhere in that project. It's just the way it is. Well, uh, Advanced Steel is just, a, it's it's kind of a familiar tool uh, without being familiar. It's a, it's an add-on that, that does tremendous things and it allows you to keep BIM level data and push that into Revit so that you can visualize this project later on. You can do your class detections, all that fun stuff. And, yep. and for those of you guys that aren't familiar with Advanced Steel, it's kind of like Techless Steel. So um, the, the caveat being that you're not uh, sharing IFCs at the end of it. Um, we, we can actually push this data into into Revit. There's some integrations that make life a lot easier. Yep, yep. One thing that is a pain I've noticed is that the connections don't transfer. That I'm so oh, I yeah. haven't. Yeah, so I mean, that's probably an IFC then. A smart yeah, IFC it's probably thing. the IFC or something like they're placing connection as well. The interesting thing is when I was looking at that is they took the advanced steel engine for connections and steel, you know, the steel kind of add in or the steel. Um, toolbar now um it's essentially coming straight from advanced steel when you look at the different inside of Revit, yeah yeah and and you're really specifying like your connections you're specifying the bolt parameters you know everything like that so i'm starting to see you know more of that transition of that uh you know fabrication kind of data in into revit although it's not i would say it's definitely not quite there yet as far as accuracy and what they need i mean um, I've realized building some some uh, connections and things to the exact specification that they need for fabrication in CAD a lot of times can be um, easy. But, you know, when we start to see this transition of those engines going into something like Revit for that BIM data, such as fabrication, CAD, MEP, bringing in catalogs, you know, if we could start figuring that out for our connections and start really bridging that gap, too, I feel like that would be that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I still think the the standard workflow uh, for the shop drawings and stuff is to say is to stay in uh, the auto AutoCAD vertical. Yep. Um, kick out I your mean, shop you drawings can that way. Your films in, in that sense too. Yeah, yeah, but for easy. but for coordination aspects, uh, bringing into Revit or Darkling and Navisworks is 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 currently the 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 practice. Um, doing the work inside of Revit, I'm not familiar with. I haven't used yeah. the the functionality of the Revit, the Revit uh, You're right. I've yet. seen it more for uh, coordination. Yeah, that's true. Just because that that without that connection data transferring, you know, the big thing I guess would be um, how if you're analyzing that data too, right? If you're mm-hmm. analyzing that data, you're using something like Robot or you know structural well, is, analysis. Is that feeding into Robot? Uh, Revit does. Revit but, does. But I, the advanced steel data won't make it into a to well, Robot. The advanced steel data that transfers over from advanced steel into Revit will, yes, but the connections, of course, would not come with that, right? If you're trying to make a shear connection and figure out what type of, you know, deflection you can have or what what type of force you can have before that actually shears, um, it needs to be BIM data to be tra- to be analyzed in, in robot. Gotcha. So yeah, it, it's it's what you're using that data for, right? Of course, I know that. The accuracy of it. If you're if you're into well, the analyzing of the BIM data, then you need to be designing it in Revit well, so you can test it. Well, we're we're getting off topic from the yep, sorry. The, the grades of 2020. <laughs> but, yeah, we are, dude. But, but that I was said, say, 
Actually, I, I, I wanted to tie it back, though. Um, I, I know we went off on a tangent there, guys. I apologize. But tying it back, as I'm kind of talking about with all the par the parameters, you know, and the constraints kind of uh, plugging that data in, the bridge that we've seen in 2020 and, and at, going back to even Joey's point there, with the availability of data is the adoption of Dynamo. Right. I was just going to say that, man. Yep. Dynamo is bridging that gap for sim automating, especially with that parametric data, that generative design. Right. That's really where we're seeing that that move, dude. And it's it's really able to bridge that gap, especially since we can use it in in CAD or Civil, and we can use it in Revit. You know, it, it's it's really with uh, people like, you know, Gavin um, and DI Roots sharing. Gavin Crump, yes. Yeah. yeah, dude, sharing the information on LinkedIn, creating these free, you know, let's let's break down the basics of Dynamo, these great videos. Um, we've seen, of course, going again back to your point, so much support from the community on LinkedIn when people go through these Dynamo scripts. I mean, I was working on some myself. Gavin actually reached out to me and helped me get through a lot of that with uh, as long, uh, same as bird tools. You know, they actually reached out to me and let me know a couple of different things I could try. And, and you're also starting to see the sharing of those scripts, right? We kind of going back again to sharing that data and being more open. People are saying, Hey man, this, this really helped me. If you're struggling with this, I have a script here. It is, um, feel free to use it and, and manipulate it as you need to. And just giving somebody that initial step, right? Hey, this works, but how can I make this better for what I'm looking for? Dude, that's, it's so awesome to see our industry kind of coming together like that and, and really, uh, and stepping forward, right? Adopting this technology, but helping everybody step forward with it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable. Like, so, uh, again, I, you know, I follow Gavin and, uh, DIY or uh, DI roots. I don't know why I said DIY, um, DI roots. And, and, um, whenever yeah, somebody I, like hasn't, has an issue, they're like, Oh, I can't, I think the last one I saw said, you know, they, they couldn't get, um, uh, they couldn't tie BIM 360 to Dynamo. And then all of a sudden you see, um, uh, I can't remember yeah. if it was DI roots or Gavin, but somebody like yep. popped out. Send them a screenshot of all the nodes and was like, yeah, this is what I got and this works. Try this, blah blah, blah or do this, this. There's just like, you know, 30 people responding saying with their ideas on how to do it. And this is not, you know, traditionally uh, in the BIM space, it's it's kind of been, you know, I won't say if we've you been have secret. this awesome tool, you want to hold it. Yeah, yeah I won't say that we've been yours. secretive with information. Yeah. Like architects that I work with, uh, you know, like we go to like the AIA meetups or anything like that, or um, you know, Revit user group or anything like that. People are are willing to share that information. They want to share that information. I'll say on the MEP side, you know, people are a little more, you want to hoard it just a little <laughs> bit because they think they figured it out and that's their leg up in their region. Um, you know, I think I think 2020 kind of blew the doors off that. Now everybody's like, well, shit, we're all adapting. We're all figuring it out. We're trying to come up with this cohesive thing that's um, still yet to be defined and everybody wants a hand defining it and they're just willing to share all the information they've got. And that has been remarkable. And with 2020 brought uh, civil 3D's integration with Dynamo uh, with the uh, the install. So I think uh, we saw that in 2020. So I think that next step is going to happen for the civil guys pretty pretty rapidly. I think we're going to see the same level of of um, uh, sharing and, and all that sort of stuff. You know, like you've got traditionally you've got on, on the BIM side you've got you know 30 freaking you know trades all orchestrating a space together. 
you know, what do you do? You've, you've got to share the information uh, on the on the infrastructure that is not necessarily like a bridge, but like the site. We'll set, we'll call it the site. Um, you know, you've got an excavator and a utility contractor, and then they're usually coordinating work with themselves, and then they're sharing it out with the GC, who's then you know worried about the the footprints and all that. You know, that that comes in later on. But um, what we're seeing now is. You know, they want to share that information, not just with the, you know, utility and the site contractor, but, and the GC, but, but everybody, they're trying to make all these files available. They're just pumped up to BIM 360 and, hey, you want to see uh, any changes as they happen with the, with the ground, um, figure out how to tie it in. Um, you know, it's all there. That data is there, which is remarkable because early in 2020, you and I had a conversation about BIM and GIS, and it's been a longstanding conversation throughout. And, 2020 brought us great developments with BIM and GIS and an integration and some acquisitions from Autodesk in this space for, for planning. But I think we're closer to the goal that you and I were chatting about of uh, being able to take that BIM data, integrate it with GIS data to figure out, um, uh, you know, how things should be built, with, you know, with the least amount of, uh, you know, costs and all that sort of stuff, tying into existing infrastructure, blah, blah, blah. I think we're getting closer to that. I think 2020 has been a good year for shedding its light on that. Yes, I, I definitely agree, man. And, you know, um, if you look back at our episodes, a hot topic for 2020, um, hands down, you look across our industry with scanning, right? Oh, yeah. We, we talk about scanning. We talk about automation. Um, we talk about connectivity, right? And and essentially, we got to start kind of connecting the dots, right? And, and we're looking at another point I want to get back to, don't let me get off of it, but is that cloud the cloud hosting, cloud computing, right? But what we're starting to see is um, the scanning is being used for so many different reasons. Um, you know, of course, to, to document the as-built conditions, but also to give engineers or anybody else that needs to be involved in that site and a, a really a picture. I mean, it's it's a scan, right? But it's it's like this beautiful picture that they can take measurements off of, they can place markups on, they can communicate and be involved in this process, and they don't need to be on the site to do it, right? Which yep. is not only allowing the sites to control their safety measures, especially without all, everything that's going on with COVID, but even just general site safety, right? We're, we're able to kind of keep a um, containment of who's on your site, who's doing what, but also making sure that everybody involved, like the stakeholders, have their information. And these scans have have really come into play for that. They've really come in handy for it. But, uh, you know, looking forward to 2021, you know, a buzzword in 2020, I feel like, was that digital twin. Right. Oh, and, 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 I'm, and, I'm yeah. a digital twin. Are you? I, I am over digital twin because, you know, at first I'm like, oh, yeah, digital twin. It's 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 just a copy of, you know, it's a scan. It's the scan. It's just the copy of the, you know, the building data. But no, you know what? It's not a digital twin because it, it's still, even though it's awesome and it's full of, you know, quite a bit of information we can measure and stuff, but it's still a dumb scan. It is. It doesn't give us any wow. data. Until it's you not, bring it into some products like exactly, Edgewise, edgewise or you know, all those. But, but I think that's where people were getting confused. They were seeing digital twin when really what they really wanted was something that's um, more inter, inter interactive. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, so they can like, navigate through it and pull like an as built, like an as built model, yes. not a digital, not a scan. Well, a scan is great and we'll, and, and I'm not going to sugarcoat that. The scans are amazing, and they actually lead to as-built models. 
But too often we were getting confused with the buzzword of of a scan, and then nobody knew what to do with that scan data. Because yep. they'd say, oh, yeah, we need a digital twin, we need a digital twin. Somebody hands over a scanned you know, model, and they're like, well, I don't even know how to run this. You know, like, what exactly. do I do? And, yep. and it's like, well, how do I use this in FM? Like, what, I mean, what am I supposed to do with this? And then it becomes an education um, at that point. Like, you're trying to educate people to the benefits. Uh, and I feel like we fell into the same trap with BIM. Everybody wanted BIM. Give me some of that BIM stuff. Uh, they'd write <laughs> BIM in the contracts. It's never clearly defined. And then, you know, three years later, that project that you had floods and uh, all your you're, you're relying on your BIM data uh, because your O&Ms are lost and uh, you don't have any data because your BIM model was not complete. You specified BIM and there was nothing there. You didn't, you got BIM, you got a 3D model, but you didn't know anything. Like there was, there was no level of development in it. There was no exactly. uh, education. There was no um, uh, utilization, uh, uh, you know, preconceived utilization, any, any thought put into how you were going to use this, this file later on and what you were going to use it for. Um, there were no guidelines or anything like no standards. Um, and I feel like we're just going to get to that same point with, with, with uh, digital twins. But as I just want to say, I think a digital twin in my mind should be a well-documented as-built model and use it from scan data. I think take scan data, use that to update your model. And that to me is the, is the real digital twin. Yes, that's it, dude. As soon as, as soon as we can really see and pull information, navigate through it, you know, and, and it, it's a smart kind of scan in that sense, I, I want to say, um, then I, I really feel like it's going to push us to that next level um, and, and really be more beneficial for how we're interpreting that data, how we're using that data, right? Um, I, I was going to kind of go back to that point of with, with an overall scan, if, I mean, I, I've seen people talk about, okay, let's just break this scan down. I can take my view range, my cut range, right? And I can bring this into Revit and I can make you an awesome floor plan. And here's your deliverable. It's a floor plan, right? And I can put this on paper. Great. And I can cut some sections. I can take some measurements. Okay, cool. Here you go. Now, I I really, I I also think, you know, of course, taking a break there, but um, it has to be how far that data can be used, you know, or how far down does it, does it translate? How far down does it go? Because exactly. if you're thinking like, okay, we're, we're just using this to keep it as an idea. We have our measurements here and this well, is a floor plan that I can keep. Great. But if you're going to manage this space, if you're going to try to, let's say, you know, go through demolition phases and you're going to try to save some money and use some doors or some windows or, you know, reuse whatever you can. And you're going to try to model off that. Of course, you want to do some coordination. Well, guess what? Now you're going through and you're remodeling everything anyways, because it's a scan that not that information isn't there. Right. So in order to really get that digital twin get that benefit from it it's it's where it comes in and it has the you know actual i mean yes as you were saying it gives you the status of of what's going on especially in an active construction project that's huge but we want to i want to be able to interact with it right i want to be able to say okay you know like this bim data of these doors i'm going to put this into my demolition phase now i know i can reuse these in my in my project so this helps with a better idea of how i'm going to bid this project and it, it helps us downstream as we know and have an understanding of what we have what's there yeah and and, and to, to that end uh you know just to reiterate here uh, I didn't want to say that I hate digital twins. I just dislike the term digital twins because it's mm-hmm. it's, it's misconceiving. 
It is. It uh, is. Mis- misconceiving. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, it's misleading. It's a misleading. That's the word. Yes. Misleading. Misconception. Yeah, it's a misconception. It's misleading. I'm just merging words together, dude. <laughs> um, it's misleading. Uh, what it's doing is it's making people think, uh, or you know, ma- letting people assume rather that a scan is a digital twin, where a scan is super beneficial and it does an amazing things, like you were just saying. Uh, to talk about digital twins, we, we kind of want to highlight them in another regard. A scan might be classified as a digital twin just because technically it's a 3D representation of uh, of uh, space. Well, in my mind, it's not a digital twin because that wall is not a wall in the scan. It is points in the scan that represent a wall, but I'm looking for a wall in the scan or in the in the model. So having a wall drawn with wall information Maybe that we need to start digital. saying it's like the Siamese twins of, yeah, yeah. of digitation digitization because that's what we need exactly the same yeah. that's what we need <laughs> but, but for scanning it has a whole benefit of purpose like so what you were saying there i think scanning is is one of the most fundamental things for ti uh for um, space planning for um for you know just this is just for a design purposes right for estimation all that sort of stuff of existing spaces but for documenting construction the process as it goes whether you're uh, using a matterport high res uh um, you know uh, images with you know they got low low quality scan that goes with it or you get talking about a real scanner or you know god forbid you're talking about the um you know lower end scanners because um they all serve a purpose just trying to figure out what's going to give you the benefit and and what it can be your tolerances for certain things. I've been having a lot of scan conversations lately and accuracy is always an issue. Noise, um, you know, speed of it. Like what tolerance, is, what tolerance do you need, right? What precision yeah. level do you need? What are you trying to do? Yeah. And if you're trying well, to recreate stuff from that scan data, um, high res and accurate, that's exactly, you need it. You need to be able to take measurements from everything. You, I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be, you know, Nat's ass for that, that sort of stuff. <laughs> Uh, that's the first word that popped up in my head too. Yeah, that's that's, awesome. that's the that's yeah. the that's my uh, survey terminology, man. It's like, well, how accurate does that have to be? It has to be Nat's ass, man. Oh shit! All right, it's got to be Nat's ass. Got to get right. on this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's got to be tight. All right. Um, yeah, it's just something you know we talk about out in the field, but uh, it's something that stuck with me, Nat's ass. But um, you know that said, uh, we've seen the introduction of low end con- consumer grade. I say low end, you know, it's not an expensive piece of equipment yeah, for a consumer, but an iPhone, right? The new iPhone has introduced LiDAR. And I was talking earlier about people that have been remarkable to follow in 2020, Matthew Bird, um, who's done yeah, uh, kind of a, yeah, Nexus. Yeah, he's done yeah, a true comparison. He did a breakdown of the full LiDAR data of the iPhone 12. It's a great series. I've, I've been watching them quite a bit. They have a, uh, um, a scan university, right? Scan to BIM mm-hmm. university that they do with Kelly Cohn and uh, uh, Greg Hale was actually yeah. on there. A um, lot of, lot of, lot of awesome people in our industry that are sharing knowledge on that. So I definitely recommend if you guys aren't following him yet, um, definitely check them out on on LinkedIn. Yeah. Great and, videos. And and our listeners should be well aware of who uh, Greg Hale is. Yeah. Uh, Hale, uh, Greg Hale of Hale TIP Technology and Practice out of uh, Rochester, New York, upstate New York. They, he, he's like the scanning wizard. He's a, a clear edge <laughs> guru. Like, yeah, you know, our listeners should know him from this podcast and and hopefully from from others uh, other space in this uh, other other venues in our space because he's been around a while and and he's just a wealth of information. Kelly Cohn, uh, he is yep. kind of like the 
the the poster child of, of clear edge like if you go to any event and you talk about clear edge you see you like him pop out of the blue yeah. and just freaking give you more information than you could ever possibly hope to hold in your brain but yep. at the end of it you're just so overwhelmed and happy and like that you've learned so much like he's he is uh, a remarkable guy he is and he just, is dude I have the awesome memory of Kelly, too, after uh, we met at the Built Conference and stuff. You know, I got to talk to him there for a while and get to know him a little bit. And we were drinking at, um, oh gosh, we were at this Marriott bar, this Marriott hotel, but, it, you know, it had a bar in the hotel. And uh, Kelly, out of nowhere, just pulls out his guitar. And this dude just starts serenading everybody in the bar with his guitar and his songs. I'm like, this dude is awesome, man. This guy is awesome. I Not only is he, he's like a scanning tech guru, but this dude is like, he just whips his guitar out in the in the hotel bar. I'm like, this is great. I, I have uh, very fond memories of all the Clear Edge people. I don't have, I can't, I can't <laughs> say any of them are that, mem- that uh, memorable. Trevor. But Trevor, um, I Trevor so I, I'm going to butcher his last name, but he, he is a delight. Um, yes. Oh, man. He's I, a- I uh, had the privilege of uh, drinking with him, and then he disappeared, and we were trying to find him. Run. He just went for a run. He was hammered. Went for. He's like, I just need to run. He went for like a three-mile run at like, you know, one in the morning. Just wanted to run. Just, just, just get out there. Jump on it. Like, oh, oh I gotta man. Go. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, all right, all right man. <laughs> good, good for you. Yeah, um, I mean, just this, the the knowledge that we have in that scanning kind of space, and you know, that's another thing, kind of reaching back to 2020 that I've seen is a lot of people are sharing that content. You know, as as you were kind of saying there, um, with DI Roots, with Bird Tools, there's a lot of people sharing content out there, making these videos to help with adoption of scanning if you're trying to get into it and you're struggling a little bit what what is this lidar data what what is lidar versus you know non-lidar data you know what do i need uh there are a lot of people out there that are you know trying to help share this information don't be afraid to reach out you know if you guys are looking for something like that too um let me and joey know we we have quite a good sized network that we can reach out to different people in our industry or put it out on linkedin you know there's a lot of people there that are wanting to help yeah, and you know, again, hit us up on the website, hit us up on LinkedIn. Doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, we'll get you pointing in the right direction. We've, we've, I can't tell you how many people we've, you know, we maybe we haven't helped personally, but we've um, connected them with the appropriate people. Uh, yeah. And then again, if you want to hear, uh, you know, topics or anything like that, reach out to us as well. I yeah. think that our our website's been a tremendous. You know, before this, uh, you know, I get a few recommendations every now and then on LinkedIn, uh, but once we uh, put that link up on the website, it seems. Uh, I get them quite often. People wanted to <laughs> either come on and chat or they want to, uh, they have something they want us to talk about or demystify. Um, and and Dude, I think, so sorry, I, I'm sorry. I, I know to inter, I, I don't want to interrupt, but I don't want to lose my train of thought here. I wanted to kind of go back to that whole um, scanning kind of talk. And Oh, that's and, perfect. That's you know, where I was going. Well, we're, we're talking about this data, right? And, and we're talking about the importance of it. And one part that I really wanted to harp on, of course, we had Johan here on a, a couple weeks ago, but, uh, you know, giving us the the owner standpoint. Right. And kind of you were talking about it there. We've we've seen so many different uh, cases where they have a misunderstanding of BIM or this misconception of what this digital twin is. And 
how really I think we need to kind of come together and understand how this data can be used. And especially with scanning, dude, I think it's awesome, especially for an owner with something like space planning, right? If you have oh, yeah. this existing space and you want to be able to, let's say, add on to it, or if you're managing this space for different tenants and you want to know what's in there, you want to be able to walk your tenants through and say, this is the spaces we have it. What do you want to do? Do you want to be able to you know, move a wall here? Do you want to place a door here? We can quickly do that and, and, and you know, get those changes and, and get it into something that's buildable, of course, and then take a scan to record the as-built conditions afterwards, right? So there, there's so many different use cases that we have. It's just figuring out, again, how that data can work for you. And then if you need more, push it or reach out and, and, and see how others are pushing it and see how they're getting, you know, are you translating the scan to BIM? Is it giving you your piping systems and things like that so we can use it in maybe like an AR, VR kind of environment or if you're adding on to your, well, your that, plant? You that's know? exactly what I was wanted to talk about is uh, as we're talking about scanning and digital twins, you can't really talk about digital twins without really diving into the AR, VR side of it. Yeah. But if you're talking about tenants, the number one way that that you're going to win somebody over is showing them this this space, if you will, in a uh, easy to navigate 3D environment. Uh, so 3D headsets, I think, became pretty pretty uh, um, invaluable. I guess would be the word uh, in 2020. We've we've seen this as oh, we can't meet face to face, and I can't walk you through stuff. But hey, here I'm going to send you a 3D model, um, and you can either plug in your HTC or whatever. But if not, Here's it, and we'll walk together, you know, together either remotely or whatever. But I've seen a lot of people dive into the um, the 3D aspect of it for doing that. I ran into this company, The Wild, that's got a great platform. Like, we're really seeing some tremendous uh, technology be adopted just for the AR, VR side of things. Like, f for, for nothing more than meetings, all the way up to showing people different possibilities for their space. But to your point, scan for space planning makes more sense because uh, the that's, you know, uh, an owner of a building is less likely to document the, the minute changes that happen for a space, um, you know, throughout. So what they do is, you know, they have to start from scratch, you know, they drop within these four walls and they start moving stuff around. But a smarter thing would just be every time that you're gonna make these changes, let's just go in and scan it. And then you have a floor plan essentially um, to be able to take in and, 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 and that way you're not having to, you know, waste a lot of time keeping up BIM models and all that sort of stuff, you know, when you might have the same tenant for 10 years, uh, 20 years or however long it is, but, uh, and they're making changes that you're not even aware about. But so that way, this way, um, you know, after that tenant leaves, rather than, than you know, remodeling everything like, or redrawing uh, everything before you, um, do the TI and stuff. Why not just do some scans, find out where the crucial infrastructure is, and yep. then um, and then take that. I mean, that makes more sense. We've actually seen this uh, play out very well, actually, on an Autodesk project where um, the scan actually helps identify the incorrectly placed columns and stuff. Um, like it just it, it's uh, it's an invaluable piece of the puzzle, and I, that's why I just I just wanted to reiterate real quick. I wasn't saying scanning is bad. I was saying the term digital twin. So I'm just trying to make sure that people understand what I, what I was saying. Scanning is tremendous. Uh, we've had several people on uh, talking about it this past year. 2020 was a great year for scanning, whether we were talking about John Niles, um, Greg Hale, CAD DJM. Uh, I mean, yeah, Flora. I mean, we've talked about scanning with just about everybody and how they're doing it in different, different pieces, right? We have all yep. different requirements. 
uh, different needs. And scanning is, uh, I, I think it's become co- commonplace enough that uh, people are looking at a robotic dog to go in there and scan now for them. I mean, that's, yeah, how, that's how commonplace you know, That was another is. point I was going to talk about, you know, with, with scanning um, being like an uptick, you're starting to see that we can't really have too many people out on the site again. So another disruption in scanning is, you know, of course, the Boston, uh, the dog spot. But there's also you're, you're starting to see, as we talked about last year, you know, the cart scanners, more mobile scanners. We're starting to see a push for those mobile scanners to be more accurate just because, you know, they it depends on the usage case. Right. As we were talking about and which scanner that you need to get. But it, it's just we're seeing so much adoption for these scannings through drones and and mobile scanners, these humanoid robot. I've kind of seen scanners like there's so many different ones. It's crazy. Mobile, mobile scanners. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll just reiterate um, that, you know, we're not seeing them consistently sub centimeter uh, accuracy. Yeah. So if you're it, it depends on your use case. Right. If you're an architect, you want to conceptualize an existing space. Take your mobile scan, go through it, exactly. Do yeah. it, you'll be done, and then use that for for stuff later on. Um, if you need to, you know, create fab drawings from from it later on or something, don't not not it. don't no. don't use it, right? Yeah. But if you, if you want to know if your uh, architect placed your columns in the correct spot, go out there, scan it real quick. Um, you know, it, it might not be accurate, like super accurate, but it's gonna be accurate enough to tell you if you're you know a foot off on something, right? You're gonna you're gonna be pretty close and, and see some stuff. If you want to take that and create a Revit model out of it and turn it to, um, you know, use Edgewise or, or, or whatever to uh, convert that into a Revit model, um, it's not going to work. It's, you know, you've got to, um, it's got to be able to recognize, um, you know, specific elements to convert that uh, into, in, to be able to convert that into a, um, a Revit model. So there's, I mean, there's just things that you have to be cognizant of, but that said, you know, that's why you chat with experts in the field, whether it's uh, Greg Hale of Hale TIP, folks over at CAD DJM, I'll give us a call. We're happy to have that conversation with you guys as well. But just to kind of educate people in, in the workflows and practices of scanning um, and, and, you know, uh, help people adopt new technology and find use cases that are meaningful. Because at the end of the day, that's what's what's really uh, uh, the, the most important part is find what's meaningful to you because what's meaningful to you might not be meaningful to somebody else. Uh, We've had people on uh, Flora who was talking about a meaningful uh, scan that we actually had never really thought about historical uh, data, like uh, really complex um, ornate features on a historical projects that need to be captured and how do you reverse engineer and all that sort of stuff? Well, you have to do with a scan. Mm -hmm. Yep. I would have never even, I mean, yeah, yeah, I would have thought about doing it with a scan, but once it's in a scan, then what? You still have to convert it to some kind of mass or object to begin, you know, either 3D printing or, or you know, whatever it is to capture that data. But uh, it's got to start with a scan, man. Yep, I agree. I agree. It's interesting to see where we'll go for 2021, man, and how these scans can be used more uh to, to really push these workflows, how we can use sensors, cameras, you know, starting to see some of the, uh, you know, the the GPS information through pictures coming through and that's oh, being yeah. used. You know, we really, I, I was excited for a portion of 
what was it Bluebeam Atlas, right? And they could take the GPS position of the person as they're walking around the site. You know, they'd be kind of connected with their cell phone. And if there's like a safety clearance area, if they walked into it, it would give them a little alarm. It knew where they were kind of just on the site, right? And you, as you start like seeing more of this technology, I think kind of, you know, bridging the GIS space with the BIM space and, and knowing also bringing in cloud, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it's going to really, really just take off with what we can do with yeah. accuracy and, and knowing how things are at the site. Yeah, uh, 100%, man. So we've chatted about uh, the great content creators. I mean, without specifically naming all of them, but uh, Gavin Crump, uh, D.I. Ruth, Matthew Bird, um, amazing people that um, share great content. Kelly Cohn, they all share great, meaningful content. Uh, oh, and uh, uh, ECI Technologies, they're sharing great content about SIM. Um, so, you know, these people are sharing information, they're a wealth of knowledge. If you've got questions, reach out to them. If you got questions, reach out to us. We chatted about uh, adopting oh, new technology. Oh, Biotechnic, right? Biotechnic. Oh, Biotechnic. Oh, yeah. Flora and, and their group is it's phenomenal. Uh, Jen, Jen Thomas, uh, Thompson, Thomas, Thompson, Thompson. Yeah, um, yeah, they're all uh, they're all you know tremendous people to work with, um, sharing data, uh, adopting new technology. Um, again, a lot of technology has been adopted. Either that was created, or there's been um, new technology created that people are adopting because it's filling a need. The, the, there's so many people using this new technology or trying to solve the pain points that we were we were um, that COVID's kind of put upon us. You know, whether it's uh, supply chain shortages or or you know, forcing people into BIM and or connected and collaborative uh, construction processes, digital, remote meetings, whatever it is, we're seeing people adopting this new technology and driving this new technology because more people are using it. But also um, to, to to the end of scanning and digital twins, they're not the same. Um, let's talk about them like they're different. Let's talk about a digital twin as an as-built model. Um, I just I think if we're talking about it as a scan, it's it's uh, it muddies the water just a little bit too much. Yep. Um, yep. I mean, you start from a scan, but it depends on what the level of detail needed, I guess, is really what exactly. we're saying. What that, what that usage case downstream is looking like, it's on how far you go with it, right? I mean, a scan is going to be useful as it is. As, as we said, it gives you those as-built conditions. You can kind of walk through it. You can see everything that's there. You can take measurements. You can place markups. It's, yep. it's great. And then if you have any type of Navisworks models, you know, Recap does have that integration where we can bring in Navisworks models into Recap scans and and kind of get an idea of where that model's lining up to that uh you know the the scan itself or what things have changed so you can start getting that kind of verification but again it it goes down to what that usage case is so we'll, we'll start seeing a broader usage case or a smaller based on the needs exactly exactly and i think um to that end or to adding to that rather uh, cloud uh, helps enable that. So you and I are going to chat a bit more about this in future conversations about. Oh cloud, yeah, dude, I, I really wanted to bring that up too, right. man. Ah, oh, I, I mean, that's going to be such a good conversation. That's, I'm a, that's a conversation for itself, though. I think that's one we're going to talk about by itself because that is going to be a worthwhile conversation, and I think it's something that is coming to fruition, has come to fruition, uh, and has still yet to come to fruition. And we can talk yes. about all three of those. And well, when I want to. I'll give everybody out there a hint. I know this is like an inside conversation that Joey and I are having here, but, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about, you know, cloud. And um, as everybody, you know, especially with 2020, everybody's been moving up to that cloud kind of collaboration. But guess what? That has also brought forward another pain point, 
right? These models that are incredibly huge with so much detail and we're needing to coordinate it. You know, we're needing to construct from it, of course. There's so much detail and so much data that go into it. You need to share it with people that don't have uh, technology yeah. uh, to process the. I mean, there's a lot yep. that needs to happen. Yes, that's it, dude. There's so much. I mean, um, we're trying to push the computers of today, you know, to pull down these models from the cloud. And, you know, we're running off the cloud thinking, OK, this this cloud processing is going to be great. Right. And, and of course, it, it is great to a degree. And then you're pushing this hardware on the computers and, and you're trying to navigate through these these insanely detailed models and complex models and you're finding out that man this is a it takes me five minutes to go ahead and trim this piece of conduit or you know whatever it is it's insane even if you render and process your point clouds stitch them all together and all that happens in the cloud just simply navigating them on your computer Mm -hmm. using your gpus your cpus whatever uh it's it's taxing. So like we're gonna have this conversation later with another guest, um, and we'll even talk about it further beyond that. So yes, we not are dropping excited. anything. We're not gonna drop iron any balls out some yet. dates. But, yep, we're yeah. gonna iron out some dates here. But we're very excited to bring this to you guys because I mean I think that uh, you know the cloud computing kind of aspect of this uh, is not going to go away, right? But I think that we're gonna see more of a push into it in 2021 and and moving forward. We're gonna see okay. Um, as we were kind of talking about connectivity and, and applications and, and everybody starting to develop and get into this space to push the boundaries, maybe there's uh, some players in the game that aren't normally known for being in this industry but are are making a name for themselves because of what, you know, the pain points that have come up, right? We're adopting to yeah, this uh, they're just, disruption. They're not thought of in this industry, but they are thought of in this industry, but mm-hmm. – just not by the traditional player. It's weird, but we'll we'll have that conversation later. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yep. So so as we talk about cloud, we've talked about uh, scanning digital twins, all that fun stuff. Uh, you mentioned uh, GPS and mobile. You know, the new BIM 360 layout platform allows us to integrate um, not only real GPS with our layout functionality, but we can actually tie in um, a geolocation component using our mobile yep. GPS, and eventually that that'll roll out and make its way into the rest of BIM 360. I'm certain. Um, but you know that's 2020. Great things that have happened that have in the past year. Um, you know, I guess before I get to my next question, I do want to reiterate: 2020 sucked. It was <laughs> garbage. It was a garbage of a year. But I want to look at it like this: 2020 had so much going for it too. While it started off great, um, and then then it just fell apart. Um, here's a few things that I'm thankful for in 2020. Uh, 2020 has brought my my circle closer. Um, I, I've been able to work from home with my wife um, for the first part of it, and now she's on maternity leave, so uh, we have the rest of it uh, where she's home. My kids, we took them out of daycare and did remote schooling, so they've been home with me the whole time. Um, and, then, um, uh, and then also adding to that, um, you know, not not just everybody being home with me in 2020, but uh, everybody that I know has been able to work remotely in 2020. So, you know, previous employers and all that sort of stuff that, you know, that I know that they've had or their current employers, rather, they've kind of balked at the idea of working remotely. I just become commonplace. And people are uh, finding that um, it, it's really 
doable. You know, there are some things that we're going to take out of this. And as we transition to, uh, uh, you know, work-life balance beyond COVID, they're going to have to be ironed out. And I've had great conversations with an architect who actually thinks about works workplace. Um, you know, that's his job is to actually work with people and sell, you know, owners on concepts for, for the future of work workplace. But um, we've had great conversations about this and I, I'm excited to see what, what, what this hybrid model or, or what uh, is concocted actually comes to fruition here. Cause I've heard a few things, uh, but also I had a baby in 2020 and you know, hell, it's my healthy baby. I've uh, been home with my kids, my wife. Um, you know, dude, that's one thing I didn't blessed. even ask you. I feel so bad. How is the baby doing? Dude, she is awesome, man. Uh, she's she's a delight, dude. You know, knock on wood. Three healthy, easy kids so far, you know. Uh, yeah. I feel like I'm going to be cursed somewhere else, but uh, I'm shooting three for three, man. Uh, it's it's not, not too bad. Uh, so little Riley, she was, uh, she was born in December, and... Um, She's kicking ass, taking names, man. She's, yeah, dude. She's, 2020 was good to us. I, you know, we got to hang out with family. Uh, you know, we we stopped going places, which was cool. You know, because I hated going places anyways. I'm a little, I'm a little bit of introverted <laughs> in that sense. I'm a homebody. I like to be home. I like to work on projects. In 2020, man, I built a new deck. I rebuilt my kitchen. I started uh, tackling a motorcycle projects, and uh, I, you and I came up with a new uh, series for a, a podcast. Uh, you. Mm-hmm page that we're going to be launching soon like 2020 was a good year we were creative we brainstormed it's just that we had this big i don't, I don't know what to say a, a bullseye with a piece of shit in the middle of it that uh you know <laughs> called covid that kind of just crapped on everybody but i'm here you're here man everybody we know is still here yep. um you know some people have switched jobs and and, and that sort of stuff but uh family Faith, friendship, dude, it's all there, man. We're, we're yep. so just as blessed more, as ever. Dude. You know, it's funny. Um, I was just having this conversation with someone the other day, though. Um, I know this is another kind of tangent, but with watching how the industry shifts, watching how, you know, LinkedIn, right? We have a kind of network. The AEC industry is pretty big, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of small. It's so tight-knit, though. It man. is, right? And one thing It's like that living I in love, a small town. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah, you know, dude. Thousands of people in this town. We just, you know, we, we've run into each other. We know each other. Um, you know, we, we know a little bit about each other, maybe not a lot, but it's it's very tight knit. Yep. Yep. And you can see how those, <clears throat> excuse me, but how those people do what they bring to the company, you know, what their focuses are, how they how they shift. And then kind of as, as your point goes there, we've seen some kind of moves and some shifts in 2020. And I love seeing how people go, you know, from one company to another and how they can inspire that change, how they can kind of start bringing those um, different workflows that maybe that company's struggling with, or maybe it's just something altogether that they're going to say, hey, this is the way that I've done it. Let's do it this way, or let's make a change to this. They bring that experience or they bring that kind of fire, that passion to to learn and, and, and um Well, 2020 has been a great year for that because people – as as owners and uh, stakeholders, um, I guess wary or they become more um, open to ideas on how to improve or how to how to adopt this or do that, and and then we get to see a lot more rising stars. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where our uh, you know the sharing data and the content creators really rose out of. But uh, we're seeing you know they're rising stars within their own industry, their own company, 
but as our industry as a whole. So I, it's 2020 was a good year for that, man. It was. I, I couldn't agree more, dude. I, I really can. So, it's so go ahead. Uh, I was going to say um, I was going to jump off and, and do something else here. As we're talking about 2020 being a great year, I know 2021 is going to be a big year. You've got some things in the plan. I've got some big things in the plan. Um, you're looking at, uh, relocating, man. You've got some big yep. moves happening. Um, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you're most excited for in 2021, uh, whether in our industry or in your personal life? Well, dude, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted with it because there's of course so much, um, with personal, it, it's kind of, you know, we're moving back to the Midwest, not exactly sure where we're still trying to figure that out, but we are going to be moving back to the Midwest pretty soon. Um, so, of course, that's kind of exciting getting back home, seeing family and friends, but also getting into the swing of the Midwest that actually is different than the West Coast, right, in, in terms of technology. Um, and, At and least you're how, familiar with that, though. Like, you know what to yes. expect because you came there. Um, so a year and a half ago now I made the same move. Well, not to the middle, to Appalachia close enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I didn't know what to expect as far as BIM adoption and, you know, technology adoption. And I, I, it was a little eye opening for me, but, uh, at, at the same time, you know, I wouldn't have chosen anything else, you know, family comes first and, and, uh, I'm very happy for where I'm located. And I, I think you're going to be, you knowing what to expect is obviously a leg up. But also that yeah. that family narrative, um, you can't beat it. You got four kids, man. They got to be yep. close to your grandparents, to the grandparents. Um, grandparents, uh, I know your has been out man, there a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. But it's hard. You know, they come out here like once a year because it's expensive to fly it like is. that. It is, and, man. Yeah. It, and unfortunately, you find out that uh, you know Portland is a very expensive uh, airport to fly into. I mean, it is a beautiful very. airport. But it is yeah, a yeah. it's an expensive airport. Go to in the country several times in a row, man. But yeah. uh, it's easy to get in and out of. But <laughs> pricey as all get out. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. But yeah, more often than not, you have to that. fly to Seattle and then from Seattle yeah. fly to your destination. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It seems like it's just a, a hub. Like well, I mean, it is. It's an extra hundred dollars added to your flight and uh, you know hour uh, just to do the shuffle and yeah. Fly <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, I hate that airport too. SeaTac. I just oh, I, you guys. it's always under construction. Oh, it's so, always under construction. If they shift your flight, you don't know where it is. You need to always be on the other side. Like you're never in the side that you need to be in. <laughs> so you're always like, all right, I need to have at least an hour layover to get to wherever the hell I need to be because this is this is so convoluted. Yeah. And complex. And oh, and yeah. I've flown out of DFW several times. I used to live in Dallas, uh, North Dallas area, and um. Uh, Dallas is, I, I swear that airport's got to be, you know, if not twice the size of, of Seattle, it's it's still pretty damn huge compared to it. And, uh, you know, I could get from point A to point B pretty damn quickly. Seattle, I <laughs> I, I have no idea where I am most of the time. Yeah, dude, I, I agree. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get back to the Midwest. I'm excited to get into the swing of things out there and, and, and start building my network out there. But, um, you Home know, brewing. Get back into homebrewing, damn it. Dude, yes. I'm going to get back into homebrewing quite a bit. Um, Closer to good whiskey. Not that there isn't good whiskey in Oregon, but. Oh, of course. There's good whiskey all over. This Oregon whiskey out here is pretty good, but. uh, Kentucky, Southern Indiana, man. Yep. And Tennessee, dude. That's a hot spot there, yeah. (laughs) Yep. Heck yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. But I'm I'm also really excited for, um, 
you know, the kind of new role that I'm kind of taking on. Um, Oh, in construction. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, with our company, you know, I've kind of making the shift of focusing on more on construction and, and bridging workflows. And I, I felt like, you know, initially it's, it's great to be able to have a focus, uh, you know, like in Revit with structure or, you know, MEP or what have you, but to really get down to how BIM and how these SIM workflows are benefiting construction. Cause that's, I mean, really, well, if you think about it, it all ties into construction. It is construction, well, right? Here's, here's the deal. Um, specializing in one discipline, um, it, it's great. It's going to aid you in knowledge, but and to be a specialist in construction, you've got to be at least a generalist in everything. Yes. Because construction means so much. It's not just the structural model. It's not just the, you know, where's the piping? Where's the, where's the ducts? It's not just, um, you know, the site work and the model and it's all of it together. It's all of that added to the handover, all of the planning and logistics. Um, yep. It's it's everything and it's all encompassing and and it's um, I think you're going to you're going to have so much fun. It's a it's a it's something I think that's going to be you're ever growing. You've obviously spent multiple disciplines already. You and I, we chat about Revit all day long and then we'll dive into Bluebeam with engineers and then we'll talk about site planning and and whatever logistics and then we'll do everything, dude. Yeah. You know, uh, point cloud extraction and then we'll talk about you know, robot, robotic analysis on infrastructure. Like we do everything, right? We're, we're generalists, but I think that you're going to have a, uh, uh, a more focused, um, you're going to be generalizing, but you're going to be more focused and specializing in that generalist role. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited yep. for you. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm very excited. You know, the, the things that I've been learning lately, uh, you know, I don't know, a while ago I was pretty focused on BIM and I'm like, BIM is the future, you know, BIM, BIM is it. Everybody should use BIM. Everybody should use BIM. But then I started to realize that, you know, for a construction project, that is, that is the overall project, right? And then BIM and SIM, those are just tools. They're just well, processes and tools that you're going to use to complete this overall project, they're, right? They're snippets of the project. Exactly. But- well, even then, dude, I think about it like I'm doing a home project right now. I'm doing my basement, you know, and I have my saws, I have my drills, I have all of my tools for these individual jobs and these things that I need to do in my my project here. And in overall construction, there needs to be, you know, coordination. There needs to be the collaboration. There needs to be the uh, access to data. There needs to be access to the RFIs, to the submittals. And if they can actually coordinate and, you know, connect to the model data in this sense, it's how the information pushing up benefits those processes, right? It's, it's like we're talking about clash detection and clash prevention. Those are tools that we can use in the whole construction process. And, and they're used because they're useful, right? And, and they save us money. They save us time. So we're like, okay, on this project here, maybe I don't need coordination because it's a small project. But this, you know, maybe a skyscraper or something where I have multiple disciplines coming in. Um, yeah, I, I need coordination. I need to know where things are going to be. I need to run this clash detection and I need to, to understand where all my ducts are going to run and my pipes so I can run my sprinkler systems and, you know, everything like that. There has to be that level of detail in it. But of course, it's it's all based on the project. Right. And I'm, I'm excited to see. <clears throat> 
how much further I can learn and how much more I can learn, how much further I can kind of push things with the with the general kind of knowledge that I have. I've I've gotten pretty pretty deep into Revit, obviously. I've gotten pretty deep into Bluebeam. Um, I love diving into any of these programs that I can, especially if um, I think that it can help. Now, I'm not I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, I, I, I have to learn it first. Right. And dive into it, start putting it through its paces. And then you kind of learn and say, ah, this is this is cool. But what's the benefit here over using this? Right. And, and that's where I, I really see um, software and kind of the construction at least for myself, kind of moving forward is figuring out, you know, how we can use what for what it's, it's making these pieces, these jigsaw puzzles of different tools kind of come together to benefit our entire project and, and figuring out how we can get that ROI. We can hit our timelines and, and our schedule as we, as we need to without dropping the ball on our deliverables, our quality and, you know, every, everything like that. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. So as we talk about, um, you know, the future of this connected construction, collaborative construction endeavor. Um, what does it really look like? Um, but more importantly, how are you enabling all the multiple parties involved? Um, because engineers still an engineer, but they want to take part, right? If they're a piece of construction, how does that work? And, and you know, the site guys, the guys doing machine control, like it's all going to talk. It's all going to be in there somehow. What are you doing to enable them and get their benefit out of it? And, um, you know, really where's that shine? Um, so I think you're going to do tremendous, man. You're going to do uh, all the right things there. Um, we already have a conversation. You do, you have this conversation all the time. So it's just, uh, you know, taking what you already do and then shifting on it and leaning on it more, man. So that's, uh, that's going to be awesome. As far as BIM and SIM though, uh, you know, the, they're the end, I don't want to say they're the end, they're the process that gets us through, right? We're talking about BIM, we're talking about buildings, we're talking about BIM, we're talking about infrastructure and civil and all that stuff, we're talking about SIM, but really they're just the processes that get us through there. But what about, you know, beyond that, right? So BIM is supposed to be all encompassing, encompassing so that beyond the, the project, we're managing the life cycle and eventually, hopefully, during demolition, we're able to figure out what's salvageable and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I think that's just one way to look at it. It's got to exist, but it's got to connect all the other pieces and um, enable all the other partners and players and all that stuff that aren't really necessarily focusing on that aspect to still focus on that aspect without focusing on that aspect. Make sense? Yeah, it does. Like they, you know, they can do it without knowing they're doing it essentially is what I'm getting at. But uh, yep. Yep. I, uh, well, and, and it, that's, that's kind of, um, going back to the whole, you know, benefiting the entire process, right? If, if, I mean, as long as they have an understanding that, Hey, you're putting this LOD in, you're putting this and this in, and I get, maybe it's a little bit much for what you're, what you think you're doing right now, but it's because you're doing this now, it's going to save us time later. Right. Yeah. And it's going to help us down the road for the entire project itself. And yeah, that's you, really what you're looking to help. You might not think that you, documenting this to such great detail means anything to you but trust me the space planning department who's looking at this you know four years from now or the fm systems and all, all fm teams and all that stuff yeah you might give them uh o and m manuals but they specifically uh, requesting that you put it in the model they're they're wanting it so they don't have to go back to that paper they can yep. it's already set up in their model and they can port it over to their system and it's going to have their reminders and everything documented and set in there so like 
you got to think beyond what you're currently doing and think the you know full full steam full stream i guess um so maybe saying bim and sim were small pieces that was incorrect terminology what i was what i meant to say is they are not the, the terminology that we should be focusing on we should be focusing on enabling people to get there but without maybe they're not knowing that they're doing it or something i don't know like um it, everybody needs to take part whether they know they are or not yep i i agree i agree because everybody is taking part in the entire construction Correct. process you know it, I, I used to be limited in my train of thought when i was working for architects i mean it's not their fault or anything like that i'm just saying like my thought process was I'm designing this building. I want to get it out the door. That's it, you know, and, and I'm, that's it for my process. Unless, of course, I'm an owner's rep or something like that where I'm following the entire construction process. If the owner is paying you for drawings, you're, you're giving them drawings. It's there. It's okay to this level of detail. Here you go. I'm not worried about it, right? But when you start thinking about the entire, like, process, the project itself, okay, this owner here, um, does this owner, how can you use this data? Okay, you know, this LOD, you know, 150, 200, this conceptual drawing, it's gonna save me a little bit in terms of money on, on the on the starting, right? But let's say if I have them take it up to LOD, two, you know, 350 or LOD 400, which is probably ridiculous, but just for, you know, argument's sake, if I have them spend a little bit more time detailing these parts, how is this going to save me down the road when, when we transfer this over into an FM system or when we transfer this over to the mechanical team or what have you, whoever needs to take this data downstream, it's going to help them with their job as well and save the owner money on that overall project. Exactly. And people think that architects are, you know, they're doing BIM and all that stuff. And, and a lot of them are, but it's mostly they're, they're managing a 3D design intent module model. Um, and, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, so I'm not sure you're coding it, but, uh, or I guess I am sure you're coding it, but that's not what I'm trying to do. But to say that the, the architect needs to do, you know, this fully coordinated BIM model and it needs to be, it doesn't make sense, right? We're trying to get out design intent, as you were saying. Um, but, you know, if the architect is cognizant or the designer, whoever it is, is cognizant of certain things whether it's constructability or fudging things in the model um that or code compliance code compliance yep. that that sort of stuff comes into play later on and saves a lot of headaches you know if you would have just you know raised the ceiling an extra three inches we wouldn't have to figure out all these work workarounds for uh, running duct and all that stuff in a confined space because we would have had the clearance that we needed for um you know the the appropriate uh, boundary around around and all that sort of like it would have been you know it would have been easily uh, navigable and, and manageable um, I've seen a lot of times when people will like specify a floor uh, covering and then they'll fudge the dimensions or they'll use another floor yep. but put the put the specification in there but without realizing what they specified is actually you know half an inch or an inch you know with the difference in thickness or whatever uh, from yep. the slope because they they you know meshed up a whole bunch of ge geometry and uh, there's there's an ugly transition because of it. Like there's things that we need to think about it as a contractibility aspect or, uh, or, or perfect example, you and I lived in the layout world, right? So um, somebody fudges dimensions, we're doing layout based off of our model. Um, that model's uh, geometry says one thing, but the model is, is incorrect. They you know, didn't wanna go through moving stuff. So all they did is they fudged the dimensions 
Yep. And then we have to go through and we're doing layout wondering why we're three eighths of an inch off all the damn time. Yeah. yeah. Or it builds as you're going on. Uh, and you're like, man, why, why am I so far off? This doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, you know, it may have been an eighth at first or something. And you're like, oh, it's not too bad. Okay. But then oh, it just builds yeah, and it builds. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'll take an eighth. But then, you know, next thing you know, you got a quarter and you're like, ah, and then you're off a half or you're off three eighths and then a half. And it's like, well, wait a minute. The further I get, the more this builds, we're off here. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, yeah. It can screw but, it up. It really can. But then I'm not saying architect specifically, but people that that do this, they're they're worried about their piece getting meeting requirements for time constraints and pushing stuff out. They do this. And what's not happening is the. Uh, realization that later on somebody's going to use this data in some way and yes they might be you, you might have put in your requirements to look at the tags and this is right and all that sort of stuff and you put out these documents um, but when looking at that model it's off and that model is what we're actually basing stuff off of so it's, yeah. I mean it's got to be it's got to be closer. I mean, we've just got to be cognizant of this stuff. I think 2021 is actually going to be a good year for us to, uh, you know, get over some of those humps. I know a lot more people are talking about it. And, um, you know, as we I do, yep, as we I get agree. With, uh, Brian, um, what's his name? The gen- gentleman from um, is it Skanska um, shares a lot of content. I'm really bad with names, guys, so I apologize. Um, I want to say it's Brian Jacobs, but I feel like that's not correct. Um, but, uh, you know, we've talked about this on some of our, you know, in, in LinkedIn and all kinds of chats, like he's, he's brought a point to it and talking about, you know, um, if you're, if you're, um, want to, you know, override Revit data, you can do this, but be cognizant because this is what's going to happen. Um, anyways, so that's, that's 2020. The good things that have happened. We're looking forward to 2021. You've got this move, you've you got know, new job, big job thing, I know I, I'm interrupting you again. I'm sorry. One big thing I want to touch on before um, we kind of transition out of this is um, another kind of thing I, I want to see moving forward into 2021 um, is this, you know, kind of going back to what we're talking about here, but setting expectations, right? And let's start helping to educate each other on what we can do and, and how these expectations need to be set, right? But also, I think the adoption of that Dynamo kind of, you know, uh, the parametric design, generative design kind of features um, is is really going to help us to bridge that gap even further just because, as we're saying, if the designer, let's say architectural designer, doesn't really understand that you need you know, uh, let's say outlets that every, you know, two feet or four feet away from each other, you know, based on this code, if they don't understand that, they're going to just draft it the way that they're going to put an outlet here. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah, that looks good. Um, And then they're going to ship it down, right? But if maybe there's something running in the background, they could go ahead and press play or something that to align their outlets or set outlets at the certain spacing in each room that they click on to adhere to code. You know what I mean? It's going to help everybody downstream as they start interpreting that data like, okay, cool. Hey, these outlets are already there. I just got, you know, this is a placeholder, whatever it is. I can go ahead and transition this or I can pull from this link, query this information and, you know, hey, this is cool. I don't need to redo this work. Right. A lot of times that's what we're seeing even now is rework, man. It's it's like you, you translate this data over and, and they just expect to <clears throat> spend this much time reworking this because it's not up to what they need. 
right? I, I think if we can kind of, as I was saying there, push with these expectations, setting these expectations um, and, and really saying, okay, we have this technology, let's use it, right? Start yeah. holding each other kind of, I don't want to say accountable, but yeah, help, yeah, help hold each other up and hold each you other. You don't want to say what you are bit. saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the gentleman's name I butchered earlier was Brian Myers and he's with Jacobs, not Skanska. So way off base, but uh <laughs> Again, he's another great content creator and a resource for people to reach out to. But yeah, hold each other accountable. I think that's the only way to really adopt. Uh, Dynamo, uh, I know you and I have said back and forth for like months, probably through all of early 2020 and and um, even part of 2019, that we were going to jump into Dynamo and do this Dynamo training and do all this and this. And I guess it wasn't until people brought use cases to us that we were actually – and we were doing the um, – uh, the uh, digital construction uh, event yep, yep. that we actually were like, oh shit, we got to get into Dynamo, guys. Like, really start tackling it and, and, and looking at it as a, yeah, a viable well, resource. So, you got to be held accountable. And otherwise, yes. we're just going to do it the way that we've always done it. And there's no, no, uh, there's no edge, no, no real motivator for us to, to get there and conquer the next, next feat. For me, it's always seeing what somebody else is doing. And thinking, God dang it, this person's doing this. I want to do it better and faster. And I'm, I'm very competitive. And that's, uh, that's, I mean, that's my big motivator. But uh, having you and me go back and forth, I think that's, uh, that's what. It, and you and I were chatting about with like simple things like weight loss, like, yeah, or working out fitness. Like, you got to have somebody hold you accountable and motivate you. Um, yep. Otherwise, again, we fall fall victim to the same patterns that we've always done. Yep, I completely agree, dude. It's motivation for me as well, but I also feel like um, it goes back to the usage case of it. I had a couple people reach out to me and say, hey, man, Revit can't do this. How can I do this? And I'm like, well, why don't we check out Dynamo? And the next thing you know, I created my first script, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I did this because somebody needed this specific thing, right, or they needed this. And I felt like I was helping, and I was like, oh, this is great. And Second script came up. Okay, cool. Let's try this again. When you have that focus, right, you know what you need to do. It makes it a lot easier to create that script when you're going through the different commands and things because you're, you're focusing, right? When you when you know that you have a, a goal to hit or a specific job to get done, when you're especially when you're looking at these coding uh, programs, C plus or uh, C sharp, sorry, or um, Python, Python yeah. whatever it is, when you have that goal in mind, it helps you really kind of focus and get there instead of having that broad mindset, right? Like we did it first. It, it's let's get in a dynamo, man. Yeah. So what do we do? What do we do? I mean, I can play some plates, you know, I can play some base plates. I can run my dynamo player, but what's the point of it? Yeah. You know, I can draw a wall and rev it just the same. No, it's not really just about drawing that wall. You know, it's about are specifying the materials or shaping that wall, curving that wall, changing it over to glass and pushing and pulling it in a way that, a, you know, mass might not be as a easy to do. It, it's, it's awesome. So Dynamo is, um, it's one of those things that uh, it's fun to get into. It can be equally as dangerous. Um, so I want to preface that, but at the same time, I think uh, it's really empowering um, and, and you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. Like we've got, you know, plumbers and, you know, people that they are very humble. They'll tell you like, man, I just, I just dig ditches and, and put pipe in the ground and they figured it out and, and they're doing remarkable things. Um, that said, you know, yeah. I know a lot, you know, the people that I do talk to about Dynamo that are experts like, uh, the DI Roots crew or Gavin Crump, they're, 
they're like PhD level Dynamo users, man. Another level. Yeah, it's like, what are you talking about again? (laughs) Uh, Let me ask you though. Um, you know, looking back at 2020 and looking forward to 2021, what are you most excited about? Oh, so in industry, I'm most excited about consumer tech driving commercial applications because I think that this is a really huge uh, component for us in construction. We looked at the consumer side because we think of it as low cost usually uh, as a way to drive the commercial side and, you know, you know, just thinking about iPads, right? So iPads were a consumer device. They were not really marketed even for commercial applications. They are not rugged in any sense uh, imaginable. Like they are, you know, the most fickle machines on a, on a hot or cold job site, but they got mass adoption. And why did they get mass adoption? Because they were a consumer device um, that uh, really kind of opened up new possibilities for construction. I think that this is going to be um, a huge component for us as we talk about the kind of lower end AR, VR, uh, LIDAR systems, um, you know, um, as we're talking about um, just the lower end tech, I would say lower end, ease of use, consumer focused tech, uh, you know, average user tech, um, but it finding its place in the in the workplace. Um, it's it's uh it's going to be something that we all look towards, right? You you have your smartphone, you know how to do something. It just is an extra feature, like the, the LiDAR component, right? So you're already using a, the iPhone 12 or whatever it is. Um, now uh, you have the ability to take a scan of a room. It's just empowering you to do something that uh, you weren't normally going to do, but now you're working in new processes. And yeah. And then you guys realize you want more accurate data. You probably look to a terrestrial scanner or something like that. But it just really moves. It. And the same thing happened with drones, right? Everybody was looking at the $200 drones and $500 drones and all that stuff. And everybody's buying the the, the Topcons and DJIs and all those other, you know, whatever drones are out there. They're looking at those now, uh, but they started with the consumer-grade devices because that's what really is driving the early adoption because it's a low-cost way for people to get into um, you know, the other aspects of it. And I think that really, that's really, that's what's happening. The, the, um, the iPhone or the iPads have kind of dropped off, uh, in adoption on the job sites. Now we've seen the more expensive surface, uh, you know, surface pros. Pro. Yeah. Surface pro is, you know, two, three, two, three times plus the cost of a, of a, of an iPad, but, uh, it kind of opened the door for a tablet. So now people are adopting that. It's just, it's just the next evolution. And it's just, I, I think, Consumer workstations, man. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So trying to figure it out. So I think as we work (laughs) mobily in 2021, uh, by a precedent set in 2020, the you know we're going to find a lot more use cases for consumer grade tech to further push adoption. Mm -hmm. Whether that's an app, whether that's the new functionalities of your smartphones, you know, you name it. It's it's a wearable. Who who knows what it is? But I think 2021 is going to be a big year for us. Uh, in construction tech, just based off of consumer markets and, and what's happening there. That said, personally, for me, I think the I'm most excited about you know taking new risks and new ventures and and um, you know uh, I've got big plans for 2021. We'll see what happens, but uh, you know I'm going to launch. Uh, you and I got a new new thing that we're doing, podcasting, yeah. all that stuff, YouTube. Um, I've got another idea for a YouTube series I'm doing, and um, with that comes some new adventures and. Um, and, you know, taking 
taking some risks as far as investment. So uh, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. man. And, and I didn't get to brew much beer in 2020, man. I'm looking to brew more beer in 2021. You know, end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? Yes, sir. Bim and beer, yes, baby. Bim, and Bim beer and barbecue. That's what we need. There Bim you go. Bim beer and barbecue. That sounds like a good one. That'd be an event. Hey, uh, another thing I wanted to put out there, I I know that uh, Joey and I have been talking about, have been talking about it for a little while now, and we want to gauge some interest um, for any of our listeners out there. um, How interested would you guys be in a virtual happy hour, like a virtual podcast where we'd invite everyone on and, you know, Joey and I, we could have a conversation about, uh, you know, what we're seeing in BIM. And then just kind of talk and see how you guys are doing, see what you guys think uh, you've seen in the industry, what what uh, changes that you see coming for 2021 in the AEC industry. Uh, leave us some feedback on it. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, and we've, we've been able to take part of some great uh, happy hours in 2020. And um, I think you and I have quite the diversified network, uh, thousands and thousands of people, uh, not only in our personal networks and LinkedIn and our work networks and um, and, and also, um, the, the podcast network, I mean, we've got, uh, you know, a thousand plus people listening to us, uh, every episode. So, you know, I think, uh, I think this could be a really, uh, worthwhile platform for us to kind of get out there and hear back from you guys and just have fun, right. You know, just a more social interaction, throw some, some questions our way. We'll try and answer them. Um, if not, we can, uh, you know, dive into do some deeper dives and screen shares or uh, throw it out to the experts out there, right? Just you and I don't know everything, right? BIM. No, we yeah. don't. That's it, just, dude. We're here to learn. Just geek out, guys. That's at the end of the day. Just geek yep. out. But um, this has been a good start to 2021, man. I'm excited. And uh, I think uh, I think big things are going to happen. Um, I do too, and, man. I'm excited. And you and I, uh, we got some dates to um, orchestrate with our next guest, but uh, we'll get some stuff going and we're get, get 2021 scheduled out. Heck yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. Oh, and if anybody else, anybody, you want to jump on the podcast, if you have something awesome to talk about, a workflow that you've seen with BIM, maybe a lot of people aren't using, or, you know, you just want to jump on and and talk to me and Joey and geek out for, you know, an hour about BIM, hit us up, send us a message on our website. Um, we're always looking to have people on, you know, we love having you guys on and and talking about BIM, talking about what you and your company are doing, how you're pushing the technology. You know, if you think that you have something to share, get up here. Let's, let's go. We'll, we'll, we'll take you and we'll run with a podcast. We'd love to have you on. And and you'll be, uh, uh, amazed at how quickly 45 minutes an hour goes. You and I (laughs) usually plan for 45 minutes and, uh, we're coming up on, we're just over an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's just one of those, I think Johan was like two and a half hours. I think Rob was like three hours. Like um, these conversations, um, they just seem to never end. And I feel like we just got to be more diligent about cutting them off. And, and uh, that way we get more out of it. Right. I mean, there's there's so much we want to talk about and it's hard for you and I to stay on topic because we just, we, our brains are like running a mile a minute. It was like, Oh, you talked about this, but what about this? And what about this? What about this? And, I don't know, but if you've got something you want to chat about, Dave and I will just shut up and let you talk. Um, we're excited. We'll geek out with you. Um, but uh, uh, we're really excited to hear what people are doing and what what new things that they've done in 2020 that they're looking to push forward in 2021. And I think uh, for all of us, it's all we, we, we want to hear more about uh, not just your, your work growth and your processes, but personal growth. I get elated when I hear about the amazing things people did uh, in 2020. 
Um, you know, they started their own new company because they were laid off or, or whatever it is. And they, they've taken a risk and they've, uh, they, they created an app that they saw, you know, a need for or they've, um, uh, you know, moved across country or whatever it is <laughs> uh, because they felt a need to move closer to uh, family and friends yep. or to be next to a hub or a project, whatever it is. Let us know. We're excited to hear and share that information. Oh, and you know what? Another kind of caveat to that, if, if uh, just because I I know a lot of people, including myself, uh, it's very hard to get up on such, like a platform like this or just kind of get up in front of people and, and talk about something that you do, right? Your your company, why you're so special. You know, Joey and I, we have no issue bringing anybody on here and letting you talk about what you guys can do and what you bring to the BIM world or the AEC world, right? Um, we have no shame in letting people, you know, kind of talk about their business and how they've revolutionized different processes and and um, just different workflows and, and and sharing that information because that's what we love, uh, you know, really love about this platform is that we can share this information. You know, <clears throat> if you don't know, now you know, right? So <laughs> you don't know, now you know. No. <laughs> we were just talking about rapping and freestyling before this, so this is a good, good, good fitting way to end it, man. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to that end, dude, um, uh, this is a great episode. Look forward to another one. And uh, you guys reach out to us. We're always happy to have conversations, geek out with you guys, whether on air, off air. It's up to you guys. Um, if there's something you want to share, let's share. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, to the next one. Stay. Uh, what's that? What's uh, the most interesting man? Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> keep bimming. Keep bimming. Keep, keep Just bimming. keep bimming. There Just it is. Keep Just keep bimming. bimming. Just keep. <laughs> this is there we go, bud. dude. <laughs> <laughs>